thanks. Well, happy Pumpkin Fest, everybody. You know, as I was looking out at our congregation, Brad, I couldn't believe it. I thought you looked a little different. And I looked at Graham and I thought, Graham, you look a little different. And actually right now as I look at Barb, I say, Barb, you look a little different. And then I realized I'm not wearing my glasses. So I had to quickly run down and grab these reading glasses. You know, I guess it's what they say as you get older. I'm I'm not claiming to be old, but as you get older, you really rely on these silly things, eh? So you know what I'm praying for. Yeah, okay. So for today, (laughs) we're going to go to Matthew chapter 8. Last week was really nice. We had Grant and Carol Lamb from Power at Work. And I really appreciate that uh, analogy with the power tool. You can do nothing without the power and presence of our loving Father, Jesus Christ. And I really appreciate that. And I think it's a really great segue into what we're going to look at today uh, in Matthew 8. Matthew 8 kind of kicks off this other side of of ministry for Jesus. And without getting too far ahead, I just want to say buckle up and be open. Buckle up and remain open to what we read. And as you read... A fun exercise can say, Lord, what I read, don't let me just be like a history teacher. Would you enable me to be a scribe? Would you enable me to witness your life-giving presence and authority in my life and in the life of others? This is something that I've been praying because that's something I always share with people that Jesus' authority, as we read in Scripture, still applies to today. Authority over disease, sin, death. And so it speaks not only who he is, but it speaks to who we are in him through faith. And so as we look at this chapter, we're going to see, I believe, as we look at this man with leprosy, as we step into his life, Jesus Christ's life through faith, we will witness this life-giving presence, this life-giving change, life-giving authority by the power of his name. And so let's uh, turn there together, Matthew chapter 8. Okay, it's quarter after, okay. Verse 1, it says, When he came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Right away a man with leprosy came up and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Then Jesus told him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to many. You know, this part of scripture, we're just going to stop there for for sake of time, is a really inspiring uh, chapter because it kicks off in many respects Jesus's public ministry. Up to this point, he's been on the mountain. He's on the mountaintop. He's sharing. He's teaching the kingdom, the the vision statement of heaven. He's inviting people to share this vantage point. Do you see what I see? Essentially is what he's saying. Do you see what the heavenly father and I see? And at the end of this message, it says in verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying all these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like the scribes. 
They recognized his authority. So on the mountain, again, he's confirming this vision, this mission that he earlier had talked about in Luke chapter 4. So in Isaiah 61, there's this prophetic rendering that the Messiah would come and would bring good news. He would bring good news for the captives, those who were oppressed, recovery of sight for the blind. And so he stands up in the synagogue long before he goes up the mountain, and he says in Luke 4, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set free the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then it says, he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began by saying to them, today as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. Thinking about the very person that they've been waiting for, that's going to fulfill the words of the prophet Isaiah, he's here. Imagine if he came into this place and he opened up the scroll and read those words, sat down and said, and by the way, that which I just read, it's, it's fulfilled. I'm here. That's why we worship, we believe where we worship that Christ is. That the words like they say, where you are, Lord, I am free. And so the crowd, while he's, he's speaking, you know, some of them questioned and thought, well, no, how could he be? You know, he's just a son of the carpenter. And he says to them, he says, truly, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. But I say to you, there were certainly many widows in Israel in Elijah's day, when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, while a great famine came over all the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them except a widow in Sidon. And in the prophet Elijah's time, there were many in Israel who had leprosy, and yet not one of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So you imagine the people are pretty upset. And he goes on to say, when they heard this, everyone in the synagogue was enraged. They got up, drove him out of town, and brought him to the edge of the hill that their town was built on, <clears throat> intending to hurl him over the cliff. But he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. Think about it. Up till that moment, as great as Elijah was, as great as Moses was, Abraham, Isaac, Isaac and Jacob, none of them compared to what they were about to see through Jesus Christ. Unparalleled, but they were going to witness with their very own eyes and lines would be drawn. And yet we would say from this side of the cross and the resurrection, well, gee, it's so unmistakable, so undeniable. Why would you want to hurl the Lord Jesus over a cliff? For intents and purposes, many were not prepared for what he was delivering because they had heard about this and like, yeah, yeah, we'll see one day. Others were just resistant to it for whatever reason, but it was all on this road, this purpose for Christ to go the distance, not just for the people that we read about in this interaction, this story, but for us today. Because it would show his authority, which would also eventually mean our own redemption, our very own restoration and renewal and healing. And so the point I want you to walk away with here today 
because today really this message I think is going to become a (laughs) multi-parter, is this. When he came down the mountain, when Jesus came down from the Mount of Olives, everything began. His street ministry started. He wasn't like a king that just sat on his throne and just sent out his subjects to go out and about into the valleys and the byways and the highways. He went out into the streets. He came down from the mountain. And until he came down from the mountain, it was just words. Words being shared. Words that were going out being amplified over the countryside. But once he came down the mountain, he got his hands, he rolled up his, his cloak, if you will, and he got into the nitty-gritty of human life. And so the message for today, the title is Jesus' Authority in the Streets. So in verse 1, we see he's come down from the mountain, and as he's coming down, this leprous man approaches him. And what I find very appropriate about this very important indication by the writer here, Matthew, is there are all these people in attendance listening to Jesus on the mountain, hearing these words, wow, wow. But this leprous man, he couldn't have been one of their number. It says he came up to him and knelt at his feet. Because a leprous person was very contagious. He would be a social outcast of the community, wouldn't be able to come anywhere near the people, let alone go to the temple and worship his God. And yet there was something about Jesus. There was something about his message, I believe, that he heard as it transmitted over the countryside. And he, he, it gravitated him. It pulled him and drawed him to Jesus. And it's like the woman with the issue of blood. If I can just get before Jesus, he can touch my life. And as we see from this story, this man's life was about to take a dramatic turn for the better. Think of yourself just for a moment. We're not becoming all narcissists, Jesus or anything, but just for a moment, just imagine we've all have our needs. You know, my brother's own uh, young infant daughter has a need. We've all been there and we just know, well, Jesus, Jesus, the name above every other name, surely he can meet my need. Sometimes we just look at it, the scripture, we read it, and we treat it like a novel. It takes us out of reality for a while, but then we put it back on the shelf and it gathers dust, but it's meant to be real life. And I'm so thankful. I've learned the hard lessons over the years of not fully believing it, but when you do, when you humble yourself and believe it and have that faith, even a little bit of faith, God moves. He moves mountains. And I remember going through my own life uh, chaotic moment with cancer. I thought, man, this is crazy. This is, this is it. And the very emphasis is, this is it without the intervention of the Lord. So here this man, you can imagine, he's seen doctors. He's seen specialists. He's seen people of all different kinds of authority. But he hadn't seen Jesus up until this very moment. And I can't help but think as we read this passage, we as ambassadors, ministers of Christ, we can't just remain on the mountaintops. We can't just remain in these places of these 
even fuel up or hype moments. Don't get me wrong. I'm not just saying it's all hype, but we, we can't just remain on the mountaintops. We need to come down from the mountain so that we can bless others, so that God can work in and through our life and bless others through us as we've learned the blessing and ministry of our own Lord in our own life. And so as we continue on in just a few points, I believe as we look at this story and as we continue, the word for us is very simple today. Get fueled up and get to work. Get fueled up on the mountain Get to work in the valleys. Get to work in the community centers. Get to work in the hubs of business. And I was praying this through this week, and I really believe, and again, I am not the, the authoritative person on this, but I believe that the enemy wants us to think, pigeonhole us, and through deceptive tactics to make us think and, and skirt through the word to make us think that we can only bring Jesus into certain areas and avenues of human life. That we can only bring it into, you know, areas in which other people are maybe receptive to the word or whatever those things may be. But the way I look at this and looking at this story, Jesus, as he comes down from the mountain, this message of heaven, the kingdom of heaven was for everyone. And so if we're to take that message, for me, it's like this incredible um, momentum, this, this, this fuel to say, bring Jesus wherever you are. Bring Jesus wherever you go and to whoever you meet. Be tactful, but like Jesus, bring them the good news. Now, some will say, well, you know, you can't, you can't bring it into, the, you know, into the, the government spaces. You can't bring it into the schools. You can't bring it into the healthcare system. There's so many areas the enemy wants to think, well, no, sorry, Jim, Barbie, you can't bring it there. You can't bring Jesus there. But in your house of worship, you can bring him there. How about that? I've seen this all over the place, and I'm so encouraged lately. People are saying, look, either Jesus is king of all, and he has authority over all, or he does not. Either he's king and rules and reigns in all matters and spheres of life, or he's not. We need to be open to him. We need to be receptive to him. And like this man, this leprous man, he recognized by faith that his leprosy doesn't have to be his story. Leprosy doesn't have to define him. And so he comes, he kneels at his feet, and he sees how Jesus moves this very mountain in his life. And so I've already said this disease, it's a very mutilating type of disease. Thankfully, in today's world, there's a cure. But at this time, all they had was Jesus. He would have been a social outcast, no social contact. Could you imagine how lonely that would have been? Remember, he can't go into the temples, can't offer sacrifices. In many ways, I really believe, and it's not on the same scale, don't get me wrong, COVID in many respects showed us what maybe this was like. No matter where you were on the fence of vaccination or no vaccination, it could have been socially isolating. And for this man, no one would dare come near him, let alone touch him. And so you can imagine these words, Jesus, or Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. You, look at this humbleness, understanding the social dynamic. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Because up to that point, no one was willing to come anywhere near this man. 
But then you got to love this warmth, this depth, where Jesus, it says in verse 3, he reaches out his hand and touches him. Can you imagine how long it had been until that man had, anybody had touched him? So there's this physical contact, this warmth, the dynamic of that touch, and then there's a verbal release connected with that touch. I am willing be made clean. We all know what it's like when you're going through a situation and a person who cares for you, or even a stranger when you're, you maybe you're even in an accident, and you know, you, I just saw this, you know, paramedics come on the scene and they say everything's gonna be okay. We're here. That reassurance. This, this man is, is experiencing all this at one time. Everything's changing for him because Jesus has hit the streets. In Matthew 9, it's later on, it's recorded that Jesus uh, talked to the Pharisees who said to him, you know, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus very eloquently said, you know, it's not those who are well who need a doctor, but the sick. So he was much more than talk. He was much more than great philosophical things. His very life was immersed in the message of the kingdom of God. He said that his nourishment comes only, his food comes from doing the will of his Father in heaven. And he says that his will is for all to look to the Son and the Father would be glorified through the Son. And he says, anyone that the Father draws to me, that I will not lose one and I'll raise him up on the last day. But not only on the last day, a day that we're still looking forward to in the future, but in the here and the now, just like this man with leprosy. For us here today, when his name is proclaimed, there is life and liberty. There is freedom for those who are in captivity. If you're being held captive in your thought life, if you're being oppressed in the, in the supernatural spaces of darkness, maybe um, voices, echoing voices of your past, in his name there is freedom. Because this is all part of the good news. Good news is, is so much more than he loves you. The good news is restoration, healing, renewal, forgiveness, redemption. And so this man, just like a man who is freed from a demonic spirit, they were like the first fruits, if you will, of this release, this experiencing this freedom that comes through the authority of Jesus Christ. And just like this man came before Jesus knelt and confessed, how many of us are willing to lay everything before his feet? Say, Lord, would you, would you come and would you minister to my life? Lord, I need you. Like we say in that song, Lord, I need you. Like this young man, we need to recognize his authority as we come to him and humble boldness. Do you believe that he can heal you? Do you believe that he can restore you? Do you believe that he can restore your relationships? Can he truly mend the brokenhearted? Does he bring rest for the weary and burdened? Amen, he does. We, we're all living testaments of like we heard today from Sue and my mother and others. God is moving. He's moving and yet in this world, there are many who want to look to all different kinds of authority for their life. I saw this quote the other day through uh, the Ezra Institute, and I thought it was so fitting, and I'll read it for you. It says this, 
People require a concept of authority, whether the state, popular opinion, or scientific expert. When people deny God, when they deny Christ, they're not getting rid of ultimate authority, they're just transferring it. When people deny God or Jesus Christ, they're not getting rid of ultimate authority. They're just transferring it. Imagine what can happen as we look at this story. When we recognize his authority and we step into his authority, we lean into his authority, we rest in his authority. Where you are, Lord, I am free. Your righteousness in me. That's why these words are so powerful and so fitting. But we have to lean into it. We need to lean away from the authorities of the world who say, you can't do that, you can't do this. Let's rather lean to him who says, through him all things are possible. I can do all things in Jesus' name. This man was showing us this. This man with this terrible disease was showing us when we come into alignment with Christ's authority, anything and everything is possible. This is something we'd all say if we had a time machine, we would always tell our younger self, just trust in the Lord. It might seem like a chaotic, impassable time in your life, but you're going to get through it. Just trust in the Lord. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. We have this benefit of reading the word here in the now and being like, well, duh. But we need these reminders because we so easily forget. When we face an issue, I'll never forget, I was serving in a church and the, a person had a terrible accident. Terrible. It was, it was, it was horrible. And, our, and the first reaction was just to think the most grim outcome. And there was no mention of prayer. There was no mention of belief that God can move and minister. They had not yet passed. They were still with us. Because sometimes we allow the, the authority of the sway of the enemy of this world to clog up our mindset, to get in the way and, and, and dam up our spiritual antennas where we receive the message of faith to believe that in Christ all things are possible. And this is what Jesus said to Simon Peter. Even Simon Peter who denied Jesus, he said to him, hey Peter, who do you say that I am? And we're told this in Matthew 16, 15. He goes, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. And I also say that you are Peter, which his name also means rock, by the way. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What's in heaven? What kind of reality is in heaven? What's the vision statement that Jesus proclaimed on the mountaintop? What kind of life is going on in heaven? This joyous, celebratory atmosphere. The ambience is incredible. There's no sickness, disease, or death. But life everlasting. And he's saying to, to Peter, because you believe in who I am, that you confess that I am the son of the living God, I am the Messiah, upon this faith, Peter... 
This is the foundation of which everything is going to be built. Faith in Jesus Christ. Not faith in the Judaistic system. Not faith in the temples. Not faith in the Pharisees. But faith in Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ alone. What I'm encouraged with here, friends, this afternoon is when Jesus said, ask anything in my name and I will do it. We're not meant to question, wondering, well, God, is this too much to ask right now? He just says, ask anything in my name and I will do it to the glory of the Father. And he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go and make disciples of all nations baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and know that I'm with you to the end of the age. He wants us to ask. So he knows in this world we're going to face trouble. He knows in this world, in the, in the midst of the decay, because of the fallenness of the world, we're waiting for him to come and restore all creation. He knows that we're going to need him. So he's just one call away. Just like calling mom or dad. In our house, we called our, our parents Batman and Robin. We call them up for anything. Mom, Dad, they're always there. You have to love it that no matter what you're going through, you can call up your Heavenly Father, your mighty God and Savior, and say, Jesus, I need you. Oh, how I need you. And we see here in verse 3, again, I am willing to be made clean. Just imagine for a moment, whatever your issue need in your life, or at the very least, just imagine yourself in this man's shoes. Just imagine again that warmth of him just reaching over, putting his hand upon you, and saying, I am willing. Be made clean. I'll never forget the words of the Lord when I was sitting in the hospital, and he said, Andrew, your life will never be the same. I'm showing you my glory. And I got to tell you, I was pretty freaked out even before that because I'm like, what's happening to me in the last few years health-wise? But the reassuring words, it's like it was as if the Lord touched me. I felt warmth all over my body. And your life will never be the same. I'm showing you my glory. And I really believe, as, as, just as myself, as we continue to lean into his life-giving presence, his life-giving authority, he's going to move mountains. And so as a church, as a community of believers, the great mountain out there is the deception of the enemy. That's why the pews aren't packed, because people, are, for whatever reason, have been under the sway but we can cut through that fog in the mighty name of Jesus. He can cut through and meet all the needs in his mighty name. So in a few moments, I'm just going to invite the worship team to come to respond. And I just wrote this here for, just for a reminder for us here today. I believe this story shows us some very important point. We should never become numb to that if Jesus is lifted up in our life, if he's truly lifted up in our life, he will draw all people unto himself. Not just in the last day. Where he's, he's prom that's what that, that specific reference is referring to. Yeah, he's going to raise us up 
to life everlasting. But here in the now, when we testify, Barb and Jim, when you continue to share like you do so well, when you witness, when you share what Jesus means to you and what he's done in your life, that is contagious. That's the kind of contagious element that we need to see break forth in our community. So we have to come down from the mountaintops and get into the streets and be willing to share. And sometimes it's awkward because maybe you have things you have to do, things we need to get done. It doesn't mean that Jesus is saying, no, everything that you're, you got to get done today, you just got to throw out the window. That's, that's not what he's saying. He just wants you to be mindful of those he's going to bring into your path for you to minister to. Just imagine what he can do within your life when you're willing and able. Just like he said to the man, I am willing, be made clean. And so as the worship team comes, I want to invite you to say to the Lord, Lord, I'm willing to be used by you. Lord, I'm willing, just like you, you came down from the mountain and got into the streets, into the, into the you know, highways and byways, as we call it, to minister. Lord, use me, guide me, speak through me. Just like Moses, you might say, well, I'm not eloquent with speech. Well, Moses was concerned about that too before he went before Pharaoh. But the Lord said, I will give you the words. He even gave him a, the tool. He gave him a staff. And you, we all know what he did with that staff. Part of waters. Part of that which seemed impossible. And so as you go away here today, when we lean into his life, we are witnesses of his life-giving, life-changing authority and presence. And that's something I believe he's stirring us. Church, I believe he's stirring us for this coming week of ministry throughout each day, but also for Friday night. I'm believing that he's gonna move. He's gonna do as he says to this young man, be made clean, be healed. And as the worship team plays, look at verse 17. It says here, the prophet Isaiah. So all that was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. He himself took our weaknesses and carried all our diseases. When John the Baptist asked if Jesus, in fact, was the Messiah, you know, are you the Messiah or are we looking for someone else? And he sent this message to Jesus' disciples. And this is what Jesus told them to tell John the Baptist. In a sense, he's like saying this, tell John this, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed. This is Matthew eleven five, by the way. The deaf, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor, poor are told the good news. Blind eyes open, lame are walking, leprosy are healed. And the very point I want to emphasize before, before we continue is that when Jesus died, everything was finished there was a great sound there was like an earthquake that happened and it said that the, 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 the bodies of those in the graves came up to life and went out throughout the countryside and people recognized them how on earth could that happen only through the authority of Jesus Christ this testimony that he would raise even the dead 
So you, and even though John the Baptist didn't live to see this, in spirit he did, but not in the flesh and blood, all those who heard these words of Jesus say, the dead are raised. They not only would have saw Lazarus raised, they would have saw a number of their own community members raised to life. And in many respects, it all began with this man with leprosy that said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. This is the type of Lord that we serve. He's not heavy handed. He's aware of every need. He wants to minister to all of our needs today. This is what Jesus can do. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. Lord, we thank you for your living word. Thank you, Heavenly Father, Lord, that you sent your Son. Lord Jesus, we know that you are alive and well and you're on your throne and you're bringing all things together under your authority. And so, Lord, in this place, like the man in the story, Heavenly Father, we thank that you prompt us by your Holy Spirit to come before you humbly and yet boldly through faith to believe that you are living and active, that you can make a way when there seems to be no way. Lord, I need you. Lord, we need you in this place. Lord, we need you in this house. Lord, we need you in our communities. Refiner's fire can fan the flame of revival within all people's hearts in this place and beyond. And all you ask of us, Lord, is to have faith in you, and you will light the spark by the power of your name, the authority that's in your name. And so we say, Come, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, come into this place. Continue to move within our hearts and within our minds. Have your way. And as you came down from the mountain, Lord, we want to follow in your footsteps to come from this place that is like a mountain fueled up and ready to then get down into the streets and proclaiming your name.